welcome to season two of What in the World in Travel, a podcast produced by the student chapter of PATA, Capilano University, supported by Capilano Radio Club and the School of Tourism Management. Joining us today is Sarah Rhodes, founder of an organization called Plastic Free Southeast Asia. I am Karma. And I'm Sean. So, hi. Really glad to have you with us, Sarah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from, Sarah? Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, I'm from Adelaide in Australia, uh, though I'm calling you from Siem Reap in Cambodia. Very nice. <laughs> so what's the weather like where you are right now? Um, it's quite warm. Uh, I think it's like low 30 degrees, pretty humid, um, sunshine. Yeah, it's pretty nice. What's oh. it like over there? Sounds like a dream. Uh, it's raining. It's really <laughs> <Yeah>. wet. Yeah. <laughs> Winter's coming. <laughs> yes. Yeah. To be fair, it is the wet season, so we are getting quite a lot of rain as well, just not today. Yeah, yeah. So, Sarah, what kind of work does your organization do, and who are the organizations that you work with? So the work we do is consultancy and workshops, which are largely team building. So working on bringing everybody onto the same page and driving goals for sustainability and waste reduction. And the kind of business we're working with is predominantly uh, tourism. So tour companies and hotels, but a lot in hotels. Luxury boutique hotels seem to be really charging forward with this. And so that makes up a lot of the people that we work with. And also uh, events and conferences is something that I've seen people have been talking about sustainability on their topics for a long time, but now they want to actually put that into practice during those events and conferences as well. So not just talking, but also doing and demonstrating how things can be done well. So yeah, I would say the hotels make up the biggest portion of our client base at the moment. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so let's say I'm a hotel and I feel like my practices are pretty good. Um, I'm pretty sustainable and I want to take that up to the next level. And so I call you and I ask for some help to improve my practices. What would be the typical process you would go through with me? Okay, so firstly, you sound like lots of my clients. This is like for sure, like people that are already doing what they can in that space seem to be the ones that then reach out and get in touch with us. Uh, And so, you know, a big part of what I do is around uh, workshops and team building. And what seems to be the biggest way, the most successful way in moving things forward is getting the entire team on the same page, excited and motivated about doing, you know, good things for the planet and understanding why. So... Often there might be practices in place or the general manager has put some awesome initiatives in place, but they're struggling to see people sort of adopt that either in their personal habits, like bringing breakfast or lunch in from outside in takeaway packaging or even just the follow through in the process. And once the whole team is really on board and all on the same page together, it also then translates to something they can discuss with the guests. So... It then brings the guests into the story of sustainability and helping them to tread lightly while they're traveling as well. Excellent. This is a very, very courageous team you have here. It's inspiring right now listening <laughs> to you talking about all this, by the way. <laughs> so like, how Thank did you. you get into this line of work? So what was your kind of background and why did it all start in Cambodia? So um, a long, long time ago <laughs> when I studied tourism, um, I actually worked in hotels myself. Okay. Uh, my first job was in events in a five-star resort hotel in the 
seaside suburb of Glenelg in South Australia. And uh, from there, you know, I, I knew from really early on that tourism was something that I was super interested in. And then sustainability and that, you know, how can travellers make more of a positive impact than a negative impact really started to take over a lot of my thoughts, especially while I was studying. And, um, you know, as tends to happen, I took a little detour and I ended up working for the South Australian Tourism Commission, which was amazing. It's something I'd always wanted to do. However, I was working in digital marketing. And it's an amazing skill and I'm super, super grateful and glad for all of the opportunities I had working there, but it wasn't really feeding my soul. No. I was like, this is not really helping the world. This is helping small businesses, yes, which is amazing and really good. But a lot of the time it was really just helping travelers find places that they, they will find without me. Yeah. So how can I do something that's a bit more impactful? And whilst I looked for opportunities within Australia and I ended up moving to Sydney and working for a consultancy for a year, also in uh, digital marketing, I decided to come overseas to Southeast Asia and check out what might be here. I thought it's relatively close to Australia and <laughs> also like a fairly sort of new in the scheme of things, new and emerging tourism uh, sector. So I might maybe, you know, maybe there's something there for me. Yep. And um, eventually I came across this small NGO called CONCERT, which is an acronym for Connecting Communities, Environment and Responsible Tourism. And I was like, oh, hey, that's, that's what I want. I want to get involved with them. Uh, and even to this day, we're still, we're still good friends. So that's, that's really nice. Yeah. And so that's what brought me to Cambodia. And I thought, oh, great, I'm going to volunteer and work with concert for maybe a couple of years, learn something and see how I might take that back to Australia and apply it. Unbeknownst to me, <laughs> Plastic Free, well, we originally started off as Plastic Free Cambodia before we expanded this year to Southeast Asia and Australia. Um, it started off that I just wanted to run some community events and raise awareness about the topic. And then Gradually, it came to the point that I had to leave my job with concert and put 100% of my energy into the Plastic Free Project. And five years later, here we are. <laughs> here we are today. <laughs> yeah. So previously, you mentioned that uh, one of the reasons why you got into your business had a lot to do with something called Plastic Free July. For people who don't know what that is necessarily, can you kind of explain just really briefly what it is? Yeah, sure. Plastic Free July is a one-month campaign. It started in uh, Western Australia in 2011, and it is about focusing on creating new habits for a whole month. They say that you can form a new habit in 30 days. Uh, July's got 31, so, you know, hopefully that means it's a really, really good habits are formed. But it's about um, mindset and seeing how, you know, how much plastic we are using every day yeah. and how we can change that, how we can through our personal um, behaviours make, make some small changes that actually make a really huge impact. And that was the first public event that I ran in Siem Reap uh, with full support from the Australia Plastic Free July team. And yeah, it's grown from there and so have they. I mean, I, I can't even think, I think it was around 200 million people or something that joined this year. I should what? know that statistic better. <laughs> I'll send you a, a link later. <laughs> anyway, huge, really, really huge. And it's amazing that, um, you know, that they've provided that platform and a lot of resources that helped me to get started in running Plastic Free July over here. What an idea. It's so refreshing in today's world. Isn't it? <laughs> it's really nice. 
Yeah. And so, like, do you see any regional differences in, like, consumer trends and practices, like, regarding plastic waste? Like, are there shifts over time happening? Um, definitely. Definitely some nuances between um, different regions and even different countries that are quite close by and you might think would be quite similar. There are some small nuances, um, but the mindset seems to be fairly similar across the board. Okay. And even as low-income countries are becoming, you know, more um, financially secure or having more disposable income, higher-income countries are also still increasing that and having more disposable income to spend on things. And that's when it sort of starts to play into a lot of packaged goods. But food and beverages is for sure a huge one. And I've seen that trend in Cambodia in particular has really accelerated over the five years that I've been living here. However, over that time, I've also seen perceptions change. And again, here in Cambodia, people really understand a lot more the word plastic free or the knowledge that burning plastic is now a lot more commonplace than it was. And we'll also see some changes over in Australia for comparison. This year in particular with the climate strike, with uh, the national election that took place in Australia this year, uh, a lot more people are more vocal about what they want. For a long time, we've kind of gone along with everything. Oh, this is how it is and this is like how it needs to be and I'll just do as I'm told and follow the lead. But now people are, are sort of realising this isn't the best way for us and that we need to speak up and, and demand something better. Yeah, it's just happened in Vancouver this week. We had a big, big climate strike in the city. Thousands of people showed up. It was very inspiring yeah. to see. Um, they weren't expecting that many yeah, people. They were amazing. overwhelmed, the amount of people that actually came out and showed how much they care about this planet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Canada and Australia uh, you know, are very similar in yeah. that the way that we live is very tidy. We've always recycled um, you know, to, I guess, loop plastic back into the, the climate discussion. And now we're realizing that, you know, all of this recycling that we thought we were doing the right thing wasn't actually happening. And that's all feeding into the bigger climate change issues. But plastic is something that we as individuals can make an impact with. And that's why I focus a lot on plastic as well as other climate change issues as well. Yeah, some of our instructors right now in class are trying to teach us as well as recycling, but to reduce and reuse plastics instead of just recycling them. There's many more ways we can, we can work on that. Yeah. And we always had a slogan in Australia that was reduce, reuse, recycle. And yep. we kind of just hung on to the last one and we exactly. ignored the first I think two. That's the same. It's like, why? Yeah. 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 So that kind of ties into something that we talked about uh, previously with you about how there's a lot of misleading information and even just straight up misinformation about products out there that are marked as sustainable or compostable, but maybe they're, they're not so much in reality. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, yeah, there are a lot. And I think there's, you know, a lot of business opportunities for the industry to shift and provide better alternatives. And some of the changes we're seeing are good as long as they're not the finishing point, like as long as they're a step on the journey to something even better. You know, they are less bad. <laughs> they are less bad than some of the plastics. However, they are sold to consumers as the solution. Like you just don't use that plastic bag anymore. Use this degradable one. It's yeah. wonderful. And people want to believe that there is a solution. It's, it's following on from us. You know, we recycled. We were good citizens. We did all this recycling because we trusted that the information we were getting was correct. And we're now seeing that again. And the information is still very unclear and often misleading. So I was doing 
doing some research on, you know, what exactly are degradable plastics versus plastic. And degradable and oxoplastics are actually just plastic with an additive that makes them break down into microplastics quicker. So it's like, okay, so it's being sold as the eco-friendly alternative, but it's actually breaking things down into smaller pieces that can dissipate into the environment and affect us a lot more rapidly. So it's actually worse. <laughs> yeah, this is very thought-provoking um, <laughs> when you think about this. Yeah. Yes, totally. Um, yeah, and I've had a lot of uh, people come back to me, oh, it's, it's fine, it's, it's corn-based plastic, no problem. But if there's nowhere to process that corn-based plastic, which needs to reach temperatures of about 58 degrees to start to break down, then it's still just filling up landfill. So, and it can't be recycled in the way that uh, traditional plastics can be recycled. So, you know, we're still using resources at a, a rapid rate. And unless there's a closed loop system, unless there is a, okay, so yes, you use this corn starch based plastic and then you put it in this special bin and then it's taken to a processing facility where it is incinerated or composted at high temperatures. Again, we don't really know exactly what's going on unless we scratch the surface and ask the, ask the questions and dig a bit deeper. Mm -hmm. I guess that brings us back to the importance of reducing and reusing before you recycle. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, so I know that you just authored a report for PATA, the VE Bulletin, which is filled mm -hmm. with practical advice for how organizations can set up sustainable tourism practices. And in your opinion, what are the top do's and don'ts? Um, top do's and don'ts? Um, probably in the article, because <laughs> mm -hmm. I <laughs> had a limited amount to work on there. So all of them. But I mean, <laughs> all of them. Um, no, I mean, like for sustainable tourism, in my opinion, it relies on three sectors working together in harmony. And that is uh, environment, community and economy. We see a lot of, you know, so-called ecotourism, but it's not necessarily like I feel like a lot of ecotourism or eco or environmental, uh, the kind of work that I'm doing, people expect it to be done voluntarily or it's a charity and things like this. And so it's not really holding up that end of the economic sustainability. Or we see huge environmental degradation at the cost of bringing in money and tourism. And so if like if one of these three points on the triangle isn't working, uh, it's going not going to be sustainable tourism. It's going to be short-lived. And um, so I think it's really important to know your stakeholders, to look after your staff, to look after the environment within with which you're working in and, you know, do a little bit more. Uh, there's a lot of talk about sustainable tourism, but what about regenerative tourism? What about doing things that are actually going to leave the place better than when you left? Yeah. Um, I think that that's something that we should start to be bringing into more conversations. That's a really good way of looking at it, really good perspective. Mm. So we've, um, we've just <laughs> celebrated World Tourism Day 2019 on campus, and uh, this Very year's nice. theme was uh, Tourism Jobs, A Better Future for All. And what you are achieving is really seems to align with this year's theme for a better future for all. So can you just tell us a bit about the people who work for you and what kind of work they do? Sure. So uh, I'll start with Sai. So he does the one workshop with us per month. So that's a two-hour workshop that people can book into. Okay. And it's learning the basics of how to reduce your plastic consumption and why. Why would we want to do this? 
and he's really enthusiastic about it. He really engages the group and uh, people walk away with their eyes wide open going, okay, yeah, we see the problem, but we also see how we can be part of the solution, which is really awesome. And then the rest of the time, he's actually working for an NGO, which is focused on education. Okay. Uh, so that's a huge part of what a lot of the NGOs in Cambodia are doing because uh, education was really down to ground zero for a long time and it's only just starting to rebuild now. And people see that education is a way out of poverty and Cambodia being one of the poorest countries in the region. This is how they're starting to build the block to also make the future better. So he's a pretty, pretty awesome guy and he's going to be going to uh, university soon as well. So. Good for Sai. Um, I like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's young, but he's really mature. And I think that that's something I see a lot of here. Um, people have a lot of maturity about them in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um, that we don't necessarily see in the West. Um, he sounds courageous. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll pass that on. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Chenda, who's over in Phnom Penh, she is phenomenal. Um, so she runs her own business, um, which is a, a resale boutique. So secondhand clothing, accessories, and just trying to, you know, reduce the impact on environment, but also make a living for herself. Um, she does a lot of volunteer work with Girl Guide and has been with them for, I think, over 10 years. Uh, she's one of their key facilitators and she has huge experience in delivering high-level workshops with a variety of, of groups. And yeah, just she's such a beautiful addition to the team. She understands about freelance working and that really helps for me while I'm growing a small business. And our partnership is, is just really lovely because we work together and, and communicate with each other and then she, she goes in and gets the work done. Um, she's a lot of fun, like her workshops are a lot of fun. She keeps the audience engaged. Um, she tends to do more of our, uh, what can I say, like our tailored workshops with private clients. Okay. Uh, so maybe a full day or multiple days. And, you know, when you're sitting in a workshop and learning something for a full day, it's easy for your mind to wander. And she helps keep people excited and interested in the content. Um, yeah, so we've had some really re great results. And she is also a traveler. So that makes it great as well. When we've got clients that are in different locations, she's able to, to travel and go and deliver those workshops. Um, yeah, and... Oh, she's just a really inspiring person and just wants to do good in the world but like live her best life and she's a really happy person as well it's really we need really those people awesome. sounds like yeah. you have a great relationship <laughs> with all of the people you work with i do they're awesome people you know there's been there's been a lot of people that have helped along the way as well volunteers that have come interns that have come and Really, everything is a culmination of all the contributions that people have made. Uh, these, are, these are just the, the core team that are with me at the moment, and I'm sure that's going to change again in the future, mm -hmm. hopefully to grow bigger. Yeah, <laughs> so do we. Um, and have, have more people involved making more impact around the world. So, yeah. So turning the conversation back to you, what is next yeah. for you and your company? I know you said uh, you're yeah. moving back to Australia. Yeah, so I've been out of Australia for five years and wow. <laughs> I felt like it was t 
time. <laughs> uh, plus, like, as I mentioned, like, all of this exciting stuff, I mean, like, a little bit emotional and uh, up and down, but I feel like it is the time to, that Australia really kicks it up a notch. And, you know, the whole time I've worked over here, I've spoken with uh, friends, colleagues, or other people running environmental businesses in Australia, and they're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, how do you do this in Cambodia? And I've always said, how do you do it in Australia? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in a lot of ways, I feel like I always felt like it was a tougher audience because people do tend to be quite attached to ideas that they already have. We've had, you know, decades of being told that recycling is the way forward. It's really yeah. hard to start to change those mindsets. But this year with the what was meant to be, you know, what people were calling our climate election, uh, which sadly didn't go the way that a lot of us hoped. And with the climate strikes, I feel like maybe it's time and Australia are ready for some more information to get on board with being part of the global community and helping the rest of the world as well. I can hear the determination in your voice as you go back to Australia. <laughs> <great>. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really great. I'm really excited. Uh, I already have some connections, some people to meet up with, some events to attend, and uh, I'm really excited about taking the the program over there. It'll be a whole new chapter. Oh yeah. <laughs> So for students that are tuning in right now, what kind of advice can you offer them as they move into their own careers upon graduation? Don't wait for perfection. If there's something that you want to do, if the first job that you step into outside of study isn't the ideal one, don't worry. Every step that we take is taking us on a path and it might not seem like we're getting there quickly enough or it's not like the perfect job. But it's there for a reason. So I think that we, you know, need to keep one eye ahead, but also one eye on what's happening right now and what skills and what experiences you can pick up along the way. I think there's going to be more and more careers in sustainability in the future. Uh, there's a huge need for it and there's a huge drive for it. And I think that this is going to be a really important and very powerful sector as the world starts to really focus on fixing the damage that we've been doing and, and starting to regenerate things and be more positive. And it's, it's not just about the environment, it's also our well-being. Yeah, we uh, we've become, you know, like we must go to an office job and work nine to five and, and do all of these things. But the way we work is changing as well. And it doesn't have to be that traditional way of working anymore. There's so many options available and uh, really just go for them. And if it doesn't work out the first time, keep going. Just never give up. Um, just keep doing everything with your whole heart and make sure you enjoy what you're working on as well. I see a lot of people that are like, oh, well, I'm in this job, it's stable, it's secure, but not fulfilling. Yeah. Um, that, can be, that can be really soul destroying. We need to look after our, our health and well-being as much as our planet, as much as you know, putting energy into the work that we do. That's some really valuable advice that I know a lot of students would really appreciate. Yeah, yeah it was inspiring. It was good to hear. It was good to hear some wise words. So before we wrap <laughs> things you. up, uh, there's a very, very important question that I think a lot of us would really like to ask. Yeah, this is a big question, Sarah. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> sounds nervous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Sarah, 
from all of the fictional worlds out there, such as from Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, etc., where would you want to spend a one-week vacation, and why? <laughs> oh my God, I've actually had this question on a podcast before. <laughs> I didn't know how to answer it. Um, actually, I just recently watched the new Lion King. Oh yeah. And I think what they did, you know, they went through a dark period and then they came back and they rebuilt and regenerated their environment and it was beautiful and green and everyone was happy again. But I'll go there for a week. That sounds pretty nice. Sounds <laughs> like the perfect utopia. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. We'll wrap it up there. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thanks, thank you very Thanks, much. Karma. Thank you so much. We, fun. <laughs> we wish you all the best of luck in the future. And yeah, if, thank you. You guys too. If uh, people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Is there an email address or is there a website? Yep, a website is plasticfreesea.co. Great, great. And, we'll and then the link we've up got on. all the links for social media and email and everything's on there. So that's probably the easiest, easiest point. Yeah. Okay, perfect. We will put the links up on our website as well. Okay, fabulous. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay, bye bye. Bye. So, how did you like that? Please send us your feedback on this episode by visiting patacapu.com. This podcast is hosted by Capilano University student volunteers. If you would like to get involved with the production of our podcast, please send us an email through our website, patacapu.com. Special thanks to Capilano Radio Club and the School of Tourism Management. See you next time.